Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the edition of the Fantasy Book Club for Accessible World. This evening, we will be discussing The Little Prince by Anton... Oh, shoot. How do you pronounce his name, Anne? I don't want to butcher it. Saint-Exupéry. That works. Um, I believe the book was originally in French, and it was translated into English. Is that correct? That is correct. Seems like they did a good job translation-wise. My French isn't quite good enough to read the original, but um, what do you think, Anne? I I think you've read both versions. Did they stay pretty faithful to the text? Well... My friend didn't read me the whole book in French. I think we read the first chapter or so um, because she could read French and I understood more French then than I do now. (laughs) But I just remember, you know, the text and, you know, my friend reading Desinois Mouton, Desinois Mouton. And, uh, you know, so... um, since I've got the the microphone, I will say that I have thoroughly enjoyed this book. I've read it several times. I saw the movie, which was pretty close to the book, and um, it was a nice experience. My mother took her fourth grade class to see the movie, and since I was home at the time, um, she took me too, and so that was that was kind of neat. And uh, uh, we all went and we saw the movie, and it was it was very cool. And um, you know, I just have always enjoyed this particular book. It's not very long, and yet there's an awful lot in it. Well, I hate to say it, but I didn't really like the book. I guess I couldn't quite figure out where it was going. Once I figured out it was where it was going, it got better, but I didn't really know why. I mean, okay, he was just traveling from planet to planet, but once it got past the traveling, and the first part was interesting, I guess the part in between before he got to Earth was sort of, didn't quite know what that was about, but... Well, um, it was kind of a, a journey of a journey of a hero, so to speak, and, um, you know, you could probably make uh, analogies, biblical analogies to, you know, the little prince and and um, you know the serpent and the so forth and and you know all that imagery there, but um, you know it was a it was a um, kind of a little adventure story, and that the. Um, you know, the pilot, you could, I suppose, uh, consider it to be the um, delusions of, or the the uh, illusions seen by a, pi- a pilot um, suffering from thirst in the desert or something like that. You know, mirages or whatever, but it's, it's pretty coherent for, you know, being a mirage. Um... It's it's kind of a symbolic journey, I think. Um, I I don't know. I've just always enjoyed it because it just um, 
you know, with with the with the the asteroid with the books and is pulling them out and you know this and that and you know the discovery of that and um, I don't remember all the parts of the journey. Um, my memory isn't that good, but I I do remember uh, that part and I um, so. You know, I really liked it. What do, what do other people have to say? Well, this is kind of <clears throat> kind of difficult for me. This is Lucy. Um, it's difficult for me in a way to talk about this because I was one of the people who read the book and it changed me forever. Um, I read it without having any background about it, but it it did it it I felt the world tilt, and and I have never ever looked at anything the same way again after having read it. Um, and last night was Evan's first time hearing it because um, I, I, it's, it had been a while since I read it and um, I was just sobbing at the end. I was a wreck. And uh, one of my defense mechanisms that I don't actually plan on, but I, I, I don't have control over it, but I actually forget some sad things that that are too, almost too hard for me to bear. And so, all these years since I read it for the first time, I've forgotten that he goes to the snake for help and um, is bitten at the end because he's too heavy to return to his planet. But the description of how loving something changes it Forever, and it changes it from ordinary to unique, is is tremendously moving to me because there are billions of people on the earth, and they're people, but the ones that who have tamed you or you have tamed, uh, you know, they make your world, they make the the sunrise and set for you. They, you know, they fill your heart and they 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 matter. And you, um, as as he said, he would maybe. He would give his life for his rose, but not for all the other millions of roses. And um, the fact that the little prince tamed the pilot um, as, as the rose tamed the little prince without him even knowing. There were times he didn't even like the rose, but all the while she was taming him and, and um, making him love her. And it also showed how we love things not because they're perfect, that we love them in spite of their flaws. That There are just so many um, lessons that, you know, once you learn them, changes your life. Um, like my mother was from Mississippi, so of course when I see a, mag- a magnolia or someone mi- mentions grits or something about the South, those those things are all wrapped up in my love for my mother, and the same thing for my guide dog. Um, there are certain things in the world that thunder that remind me of her, you know. And thunder will never sound the same again. Uh, having loved my guide dog, she changed the sound of thunder for me, and changed um, the images that it evokes. Another thing I'd like to mention briefly about um, the author is that he has several nonfiction books that my brother um, said are 
absolutely marvelous. And I do have one that I plan to, um, for Evan, Evan will stand for me and I will proofread for Bookshare because um, I think this author is so sensitive. And Anne, what you're forgetting, and um, which would come back to you pretty quickly, is that the little prince visits planets. Each has a character which kind of represents um, a segment of society where the author is kind of commenting. Um, For example, he goes to a planet where there's a king, and the king's robe envelops the whole planet. And when the king sees the little prince, he says, ah, subject. And um, then, you know, because he sees everyone as subject to him, and then he makes um, commands which he plans in advance are commands which the people will automatically keep because he really doesn't want to punish them. He doesn't want to be disobeyed. He wants to be um, kept as the king and remain in command. So he makes sure that it's like if you say, I'm going to bed now, he says, I command you to go to bed. And if, or if you say, I don't want to eat my spinach, he says, I command you don't not to eat your spinach. So he makes sure that all of his commands are obeyed by tailoring them to fit the actions of the person. And when the little prince leaves, um, because he, he commands the little prince to stay, and when that doesn't work and the little prince leaves, he says, you will be my ambassador. And so he still maintains his position as a king. And then there's a geographer who never goes anywhere because a geographer's job and is in his mind is so narrow that what he does is record the um, observations of explorers and since there are no explorers he's recorded nothing and so he's a geographer who lives in a blank world and knows not where mountains are not where streams are and so uh, one of the one of the lessons is that people limit themselves by defining themselves according to their vocation or according to a narrow set of beliefs or um, oh, it's just such a beautiful book and I don't want to rhapsodize too much well I don't know quite what I thought about it it was interesting I did like the characters that he traveled to like the king uh, the tippler um, I particularly liked the accountant that kept saying I have I think it was the accountant that saying I have matters of consequence but you never can find out what the matters of consequence are uh, I would have liked to know what happened to the rose Did was it safe when he got back to the planet or not I was also interested to note that they had a biography of him like the next within a couple of days after I downloaded this book I was interested to note that he was an airman in World War II and died then yes and he was a pilot early on in the very beginning of aviation so he um, he had a, a you know a tremendous love of of being a pilot um, one thing about the snake that's interesting is that you, you know, we always see snakes as being evil, but um, the little prince was so innocent that the snake could not bring itself to, to kill 
little prince, but the prince understood that the pilot would not be given such quarter uh, and was was concerned that the that the pilot might be bitten too. And then then they figured out that the snake was only capable of one um, lethal bite at a time and would have time have to have time to recover before it could bite again. So the pilot would be safe, but. Um, it was tremendously thought-provoking that the not only did the serpent um, refute, you know, not follow his instinct to kill the little prince, but then he did say, you know, if your journey becomes too long and your burden becomes too heavy, come back to me, and I, you know, I can relieve you of the, of that. And so he offered the prince a death. As, as a gift, and that's a lot to think about. There was so much, um, so much. There was so much symbolism in this book, um, and I have. This book has always been really close to my heart because um, my first experience with it was actually reading it in the original language, French, Le Petit Prince. And I, um, I teach French is one of the languages that I teach, and so I teach the book in French. And reading it in the French language, it has so much more depth. There's so many more nuances with the words because anybody that has worked um, in foreign languages, especially as a translator or even a, a teacher, will realize that um, th- the words are not exactly a one-to-one translation, that words have a lot of different connotations and denotations in different languages. And so um, reading it in the French um, also brings forth a lot of meaning. And the other thing is that the symbolism in this book is just tremendous, that um, everything... Every um, planet that he visits or character that he meets is is so symbolic of of different things. And um, to to follow that, I mean, th- this book is just such an artful uh, piece of literature. And I could um, I could read this several times in different periods of my life. And um, I could it's sort of like the Wizard of Oz. You um, you read it once or you watch it once when you're younger and you see a certain bit of the layer. And then it's like the onion is, is pulled away, the skin is pulled away. And you read it again when you've had different life experiences and, and a different degree of maturity and more things are revealed. And that's how the Le Petit Prince or the Little Prince has been to me. Well, as I had mentioned to the folks before we started, uh, Carla, um, I had also had experience with the French version. I didn't read the whole book in French, but I did have a friend of mine read to me at least the first chapter. And um, it was a great experience. My French, at the time we did this which was in college was very much better than it is now I (laughs) uh, it's been about what 40 years since I've taken French so you know it's uh, my vocabulary has suffered greatly but uh, it was beautiful and as I told the, the folks that were um, online when I mentioned this before that I can still remember my friend saying Desi moi mouton Desi moi mouton 
I think uh, I think she's saying draw me a sheep or um, or give me a sheep is, is in case you don't know any French and my French is is not as good as yours and or and definitely not as good as Carla's but I think that's what she's saying. Um, there are some beautiful motifs that uh, that repeat over and over again and one of the things that I think is quite beautiful is the fact that. You know, the little prince never asks questions, but, you know, it's through knowing him and, and he reveals things in his own way, in his own time. I thought it was very heartrending when um, 40 some, 42 or 44 sunsets, whatever 40 number it was, is, was a measure of the depth of the little prince's sadness. Um, and that he could move his little chair and... And there, and therefore, control how many sun, how often he saw the sunset in a day. Yeah. Um, now I remember that too. Yes. Uh, Desin Juan Mouton is uh, draw me a sheep, which is you know the the English translation. Um, but yeah, it's draw me a sheep. Carla, after the meeting, I was wondering if you'd be willing to contact me off list. Um, my email is a-i-r-a-d-i-l at earthlink.net. But there there are some things I'd like to talk to you about that, you know, not necessarily having to do with this book. But um, I just think that we have some interest in common that I'd like to elaborate on. Um, this book is definitely not your average fantasy. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a lonely book. Uh, it, it, I don't know, and the the, the attachment that the, the pilot um, gets for the little prince. You know, at first the little prince is a, kind of an annoyance, and as the book goes on, the pilot wants more and more to protect him, just as the little prince wanted to protect the rose. And we never know whether he went back, because the pilot does say that the next day the body was gone. And so that's his effort to give us hope that the little prince did, in fact, go back to his planet. And I will never know for sure. And then he raises the question at the very end, because he didn't put a strap on the model, um, was the sheep going to damage the rose? Would the little prince be able to be vigilant enough to protect her? And my thought being, you know, to think positively is that yes, with the shield, with the little, um, with the glass dome, um, and with the small, the small size of his planet, I think the little prince will think of a way. And the little prince was wearing a golden scarf, and I thought to myself, if the muzzle didn't work, he could use the scarf strap, and he could, he could fix the muzzle so that it would. Work on the sheep, so I left it feeling safe, you know, confident that that if the little prince turned home, he would be able to care for his rose. One thing I've always, one thing I've always liked is the open-endedness of the book because the ending sort of leaves it so that if you are a pessimist, a pessimistic person, you can think, well, maybe. Um, the sheep eats the flower, but if you're an optimist, um, he didn't eat the flower. And um, I think that's one of the, the most powerful 
points of this piece of literature is, and, and any story that is open-ended, and I, I know in, um, in these groups and other groups I've been in, I often use The Sopranos. If anybody watched The Sopranos, how it ended, they, they were playing Don't Stop Believing, and then all of a sudden, silence and darkness. You don't know if he got shot, or you don't know really what happened, and so you could almost finish the story the way you wanted to, or what your from your point of orientation and i think that it's it's really a powerful piece of literature that leaves a little bit of um, wiggle room or that leaves the reader to be able to draw some conclusions and that maybe not one ending would suit everybody and i think that is a real mark of a um, a piece of literature that is that is really artfully constructed this book is a little bit like Paco bell's canon we don't know most of us are not familiar with other music by Paco Bell, but that, that one canon, for some people, is the, one of the most beautiful music um, pieces of music ever written. And here is this man who was a pilot and an engineer by trade and who wrote several nonfiction books. But, you know, in his lifetime, he wrote this one short, brilliant gem of a book, and it's it's as unique, you know, to literature as Paco Bell's canon is to music, and unique to him as an author. Um, it, it just it put most people don't remember his nonfiction as good as it is, but but all people or literature will remember the Little Prince. What a great discussion! This is wonderful. Um, so, uh, any other comments, Julia? Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. I've just been listening to what everybody said. And yes, um, obviously it must have quite a bit of merit to be so remembered fondly. I guess it's one of those classics that um, now that I understand it better, I can appreciate why um, other people in this group like it so much. I think my favorite part was the fox um, and um, the, the fact that the fox, um, you know, sort of taught the uh, le petit prince, the little prince, about that how important it was to to tame him um, and, and um, how he wanted to be tamed and how we tame those that we love and, and and how it has a double side to it because once you tame them, then you also miss them when they go away, but you also have something to to think about that there are things there to remind you of the uh, friend that has gone away and see this is one thing where the french language and uh, in english there's there's a word to tame we say to tame and when you think about taming we've tamed animals and there are a couple of meanings for tame um when we tame like a pet like we have pet dogs that we've domesticated them and in french there are two words for to tame there's a privoisie 
and then domestique, and domestique is closer to domesticating. But the word that he used, that Saint-Exupéry used here, was um, apprivoisé, and the, the fox says, apprivoise-moi, tame me. And um, he didn't mean to domesticate him, but he mean, he, it, it means to set something apart from others of its kind, to recognize characteristics in it, to make it um, that particular um, one special. It's sort of the contrast of him going and seeing all those flowers. And they all looked, at first he was very uh, disillusioned because it looked like his flower. They all looked like his flower. But then he realized that they hadn't been tamed. And so to him, they were just generic flowers. And um, But um, his flower had been tamed. And sometimes uh, there is this thing about when you tame something and you love it, sometimes loving means letting go. And he brought that forth in this novel as well. Yes, that was very touching when, when the fox said, you know, when you leave me, I will cry. But he would rather be tamed and then be heartbroken when the little prince left than, you know, never to have been tamed. And it's like that saying, it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. And, and Evan, um, that's very interesting about the two French words for tame because Evan and I had a discussion about that because that's before the waterworks started with me and I was beyond discussion. <laughs> but, um, you know, because Evan said, I, you know, I don't know if I like that word tame. And I said, well, a wild fox is tame, but a flower might say cultivate me and a human might say love me. So... It, you know, and a gym might say polish me or mold me. Um, so I said it, it all, it, I think each kind of creature or kind of being asks to be made special in its own language that fits the kind of being that's asking. I think you've hit the nail on the head. And, uh, yeah, I, I think you've, you've, yeah, because uh, uh, to to tame someone in in that sense is to because you love it, it becomes unique. You know, it's like well, it's like you've you've said among flowers, the one flower is your flower, the one that that you have made unique, and then you know the one man or the one woman that you discover is is the one that is unique so um yeah there's an awful lot in this book there's an awful lot you know you can read it on several different levels um my my mother read this to her fourth graders in english of course but and they thought it was a nice story of course and they 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 got the surface stuff and all that but then if you read it as an adult you get a whole new appreciation of of um of the story yeah very neat very neat 
and then another important word um, you remember when um, in the French uh, the little boy says dessinez-moi un mouton which is very plaintive by the way but dessiner in French not only means to draw or to sketch but it also means to design um, and um, it comes from the same root that our word design does but when you're reading it in the English you don't see all of that you just um, you just hear draw me a sheep or you just see draw me a sheep and sometimes um, the draw doesn't have those same roots as um, dessiner and um, that's why sometimes it's it's really interesting when you when you read things in translation um, the depth that comes because because as I had said before words are not a one for one correspondence between languages and I I really every time I read this book or I teach this book I enjoy it more and more I, I never get weary of this book one of the beautiful things that he says is you know um, what is important is you know, not seeing with the eyes but seeing with the heart and that meant a lot to Evan and I because we fell in love never having met in person. We certainly never saw each other you know, with our eyes to fall in love. And um, that, that's just one more of the unforgettable phrases in the book. Oh, and by the way, when I came because this is such an important book to me. I was so interested to hear other people react to it, and, and you really informed me a lot. Um, but I also came because there are very few fantasy books that I've really become attached to, and I would just love to hear ideas about more books to read. I'm real curious about books that, that you're going to read next or have really liked in the past. Yes. Yes, I usually don't attend this group a lot of times because Sunday nights, Sunday's sort of family time. In fact, that's why I was a little bit late. Um, but um, unfortunately, um, the three books that you read before, I didn't have a computer. Um, and I would have loved to hear uh, about the Nutcracker and the Wizard of Oz. But my computer sort of conked out. And I did read Mary Poppins, and I intended to, I really intended to come to that one intended to attend is what I meant to say but um, th- one thing led to another and I just wasn't available that night and um, I, I too would like to hear, um, well of course I wanted to hear what others had to say about this book but I'm interested to know what fantasy books might be chosen and I'm probably not going to be a regular but I'll be here from time to time when I can Well next month uh, we were going to read Peter Pan, but I don't know if um, Lucy or Carla have any other. We're trying to stick to the classics because it seems to be bringing in people. So, oh, Peter Pan would be great. Um, in fact, when I'd forgotten, I, I was thinking that that's what you were doing before, and it was Mary Poppins. But then I thought, gee, wouldn't it be neat to do Peter Pan? And it's been a long time since I visited Peter Pan, and it'd be interesting to see if. Um, um, adult Carla is going to react the same way that little girl Carla does to this book. I thought we were reading The Last Unicorn for next month. Were we? Oh, shoot. Maybe we were. I am so confused. No biggie. I'll just read them both. What? Tell us about The Last Unicorn. I don't know anything about it. I have downloaded it, but I haven't looked at it yet. 
wrote it, or is it part of a series or a standalone book? I think it's a standalone. It's by... Oh, dear. I, I haven't looked it up since last month. Um, Peter... No, Peter Beagle? Someone by the last name Beagle. Oh, that's not good. Um, I have a question for everyone since you're fantasy readers. Evan and I, you know, we had a lot of discussion about fantasy yesterday because of this book. And, um, we one of one one of the things we agree upon is that we're both very sad that that some of our favorite books are all about how the magic goes away. And we went we kept thinking of book after book, and in every book, the magic was disappearing. You know, like you know, in the Lord of the Rings, you know, you you're they. They, Tolkien suggests that they're still hobbits, but they're well hidden, and and we know that the elves left Middle Earth, and in so many other. Um, there's a book I loved as a child called Fog Magic, and when she turned twelve, she couldn't go back to the old city anymore, or town, and um, in so many books, at the end, the magic is gone. Um, in in Mary Poppins, the children, they can talk to the animals, but then it suggested that childhood is so traumatic that that they forget, that children forget everything, including how to talk to the animals. And so there goes the magic again. And we thought, wouldn't it be brilliant if an author could write a book about how the magic is coming back or growing? Because it's sad to think we got what we got and magic is, if it ever was, is gone. Well... Yes, um, there are a lot of things like that. Um, you know, in the uh, in the C.S. Lewis books, the older children can't come back to Narnia because they're too old, and yet at the end they finally do come back to Narnia. It's a it's a very interesting concept, but yeah, um, it's it's you know because the the fantasy world is the um, Utopia, you know, is is the way you'd want things to be, where you know, good is good and bad is bad, and you know, and things are simple and you know, all like that. And um, the idea that it goes away or that you can't reach it anymore when you become an adult is, um, you know, is is reasonable i guess but uh yeah that's what i had written down was um the last unicorn by peter beagle spelled b-e-a-g-l-e like the the dog i guess but why don't we uh why don't we make may um peter pan i think that would be great um i always feel sort of like peter pan in the spring i don't want to grow up i want to you know run through the woods and, and uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, I think it hits me most in the spring. <laughs> and hopefully by May we'll have some kind of a spring. This is this has been the most awful winter. Anyway, never mind. But uh, that's what I vote for. Well, I think this business of the magic um, going away, um, I've always thought, and I guess because I work with children a lot, but 
I'm also sort of a creative person. I like to write. Um, I, I also believe in trying to um, nurture the little child that still lives within me. And sometimes I have to let little Carla come out and play, whether it be with um, trying to do something with my Braille Note Apex that I wasn't told exactly you can do, or um, whether it be writing a poem or a story or just imagining what if and having some of my own fantasies. Um, um, and so, um, I, you know, I don't really think that the magic has to go away. And maybe I'll have to write something like that about how to how you can get back to the, the magic world somehow. And um, I don't know. I, I've, I've had some ideas. But my curiosity is, um, what is um, the um, general premise of the last unicorn? Not being here the last time, I, I don't remember. I, I don't think I was ever told what the book is about. I've never read it, so I have no idea, Carla. Um, but apparently it is a classic, so uh, we had decided to read it because it, it seemed like something we ought to read. Um, hmm. I suppose I could go up on Bard and, and read the synopsis. But sometimes those Bard synopses are really... <laughs> they're less than helpful. Um, but hopefully the uh, the book is on Bard and also on Bookshare, so you can read it however you like. Um, it so happened that... Um, well, actually, The Little Prince was on, on uh, Bookshare. The one from before was not. So... Um, in any case, um, that's what we're doing for next month is the the last unicorn. So um, I hope it won't be too sad. Um, and as I mentioned to uh, some others before we started, I'm reading the most fascinating fantasy omnibus. It's called... Um, the Goblin Wars Trilogy, and it's by a lady named Hamilton. Her last name is Hamilton, and I forget her first name, but... Oh, Kirsten. That was it, Kirsten. Now, how could I forget a, a good Norwegian name like Kirsten? But anyway, never mind. Uh, anyway, or is it Celtic? I don't know. Anyway, her name is Kirsten, anyway. Um... And I've, I've started the first of these books that are in the omnibus. It's three books, and the whole thing is 25 hours long. So it's a longie, but it's very good. I'm enjoying it thoroughly. Is it a juvenile book? Mm, well, you might call it a YA book. It's not for little, little kids. I mean, it's not for um, middle schoolers, no. It's for high schoolers, possibly. I think it's probably billed that way. You know, uh, 9 to 12 or 10 to 12 or something like that. You know, they always they always build these books that way because of the vocabulary involved and so forth. And heaven knows what's going to happen to the billing of books when they get done trashing the SATs. But anyway, never mind. I won't even go there. I don't want to go there because I have very strong feelings about that. But anyway... Um, <laughs> So you might call it a young adult book. Does that make sense? I just finished it. But what did you think? I kind of liked it. Uh, 
I think it got better as it went along. Um, but I, I sort of enjoyed it. I was a little sad at some of the things that happened to some of the people in it. Um, and I guess it would be Celtic about as much as anything. Was it a heartbreaker at the end? Well, maybe you shouldn't tell us, but boy, I want to know. Nah, I don't. I don't think it was a heartbreaker. It's just in the first. The primary character is a girl who wants to be either a vet, veterinarian, or. I don't remember what the other thing is. And her mother dies in the first book. And that's kind of sad. Yeah, but what what is interesting is that um, the characters are, are real in the sense that they act the way characters would act if these things actually happened to them. Which I think is 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 um, very significant. Um, and I, I, if I tell you what I mean by that, I will be spoiling it for you. So I, I won't do that. But uh, you should know that the 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 girl's mother does die fairly early on in the book. Um, it's one of the precipitating events that that. Uh, makes the book um, continue on the path that it's going. So it it has to happen in order for the rest of the book to happen. So it's a it's a, a kind of a catalyst or whatever you might call it, um, which is sad. But it's it is what it is, and um, this is the way the writer has written the thing. So um, it's it's interesting. Um, the other one I've been dipping in and out of is the uh, the other omnibus is um, oh god what is it called it's L.A. Salvatore's um, R.A. Salvatore's um, <sighs> the something the the something the cleric quintet it's all about a cleric um, and. No, it's it's the books about him and so forth. But they're they're um, kind of the same ish as you read along. They're they're fairly predictable. So I've been dipping in and out of it. I've I haven't stopped reading this this uh, Goblin Wars thing though. I think I will finish the whole thing in one go. Um, other than that, I haven't read any other fantasy recently of note. That, uh, that I want to share. Anybody else? Well, I just want to thank you all because I really enjoy mystery, but I've been a little burnt out on it lately, and I've wanted a change, and you've get, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to um, start the Goblin books. Um, I, really, I just needed a breath of fresh air, and this sounds like it. And I've enjoyed coming to the meeting today and talking with all of you. And also, Marshall, we missed you at the last science fiction meeting. Well, I'm afraid I'm not going to be at science fiction meetings very often. I'm taking a class over the web that's on Thursday night. I may see if I can do it, you know, as things get on, but 
um, it runs exactly at the same time that the class runs. Or yeah, the two two meetings coincide. That's too bad. I'll tell the I'll tell everyone because you were missed. Yeah, it's really tricky. Um, there's so many book groups reading so many good books, and yet <laughs> I don't have time to read all the books, and then I have schedule conflicts with the various meetings, but I really enjoy this a whole lot. And, and, um, and by the way, I would be very happy to contact. I don't know who said they wanted me to, to contact them, but, um, you know, I didn't have anything to write the email address down, but I will, and, and the name of whoever that was. Um, I just my computer was going in and out, so I couldn't hear all of that. And, um, I don't know. The client has been a little iffy with me tonight. I don't know why. Um, it was Lissy. Um, I don't know if you know Evan's email address. If you have that, you can contact you know reach me through him. But my email address is a i r a d i l at earthlink.net. Would it help if I put it in the chat window? Could you copy it to someplace else? If you could just repeat it. Your name is, um, just your name, and it's A-I-R-A-D-A at earthlink.net. If you could repeat all that one more time. I now have the Braille Note Apex just about ready. I just am one keystroke away from getting into a file where I can write. Sorry for distracting you all from your, your meeting, but I'll repeat it one more time. Thank you, Carla. It's A-I-R, like an airplane, A-D-I-L, at earthlink.net. Was that A-I-R-A-C as in cat, I-L, at earthlink.net? It's D as in daisy, I-L, dill, like in dill pickle, but one, one L. Okay, so we have Aridil, A-I-R-A-D as in Delta, I-L, at earthlink.net. Right. And your, and your first name is, how do, you spell your, how do you spell your name? I'll put that in there, too. L-I-S-S-I. Okay, okay I got it. Oh, my, my mic's too, I'm too close. I got it, Lizzie. Um, and... It probably won't be today. I generally don't do email on Sundays, but what I'll do is I'll just drop you a quick note, and then um, you know maybe we could get we can connect. I don't want to just email back and forth. If you want to uh, in your email, you could put your phone number even, and um, rather than typing back and forth a whole lot, maybe we can just talk. That's fine. Well, are we about wrapped up? folks. It was nice to see Carla and Lizzie here. New members are always a treat. Yeah, I think we're pretty well wrapped up. What do you think, folks? Uh, next week is, or next month is uh, April. Hold on. Let me check my own apex. I have to see what the date's going to be. Marshall, what is your class? It's a class on HTML on CSS taught by Kavi. Sounds complicated. Um, Julia, uh, the third Sunday in April is April 20th, which is Easter Sunday. Uh, did you want to change the uh, change the day or anything? Ooh, hmm. That might be inconvenient. 
what does everybody think? Should we make it the fourth Sunday, maybe? That would certainly be better for me. I I will not be with you if it's Easter because um, I'm cooking a ham and inviting my brother, and I don't want to cut the evening short because I don't get to see him very often. Will it collide with anything else? Um, I'd have to check with uh, with Bob Acosta because I know there's a lot of stuff going on on Sunday. Uh, on Sundays, the twenty the twenty seventh would be the mystery book, but they're on at five o'clock. Um, I don't know if there's anything else going on in the book nook at 8 o'clock. There might be something else going on in one of the other rooms. But I think I think it should be okay. I'll check the calendar. But I, I'll just write to Bob Acosta and see what, whether we can switch it to the, the 27th, because that would make more sense. Or do you want, do you want to write to Bob, um, Julia? Yeah, okay, I'll write to Bob. I thought it was the 29th. I thought the 27th was a Friday. Um, says here, a Sunday, April 20th, 2014. So if you add 7 to that, that's the 27th, as far as I know. Hang on, let me just check for sure. Well, that would make sense. Well, you know, my math is always in question. <laughs> yeah, it's Sunday, April 27th, 2014. So, um... But yeah, it would be at 8 o'clock, so it wouldn't conflict with the mystery book discussion. And we're usually done by 6, so you'd have two hours for dinner or whatever you wanted to do in between. It would be so much better with Easter. I know a lot of people, including myself, will go to church and you have family things. And I always think it's best to avoid holidays. I can't promise that I'm going to be here all the time, but I I really have enjoyed this tonight, and you folks have done such a fantastic job. And, of course, the book was one of the things that really attracted me, too, because I'm loving this book as much. I really wanted to hear other people's take on it. Well, we're always glad to get new people, and you're welcome anytime you can get away, Carla. It's been great, and thank you for the the French perspective on Le Petit Prince because, um, you know, mine is, is so ancient. Um, you know, it's, it's really not very much of a perspective at all. And I really appreciated your comments. I really did. Yeah, me too. Okay, I'm going to stop this recording. If everybody's in agreement that the next time we're meeting is the 27th, um, check the fantasy list. And make sure, but we can send out an announcement to all the other lists. And if you're um, if you're in doubt as to what the what the exact date is, write to Julia or write to me. I'm akp at samobile.net, um, so you can write to me, and and uh, you know I can give you once I hear from Julia as to what Bob says, uh, we'll know better what we're doing. So if that's all, I'm going to stop the recording. And will you put out a newswire on this? Yes, yes. Uh, Bob will put out the newswire once we've firmed up the date, and um, so that should be okay. Night, everybody. Good night, everybody.